Welcome to the Goalie Hacks podcast, the show dedicated to providing elite tips, hacks, and strategies to take your game to the next level, where we help you become an elite goaltender, one hack at a time. And now, here's your host, Mike Santaguida. Bang, bang, and welcome back to another episode of the Goalie Hacks podcast. I'm your host, Mike Santaguida, and thanks again for tuning into the show. Shout out to all my patrons and the people that support my work. They are the bloodline of Goalie Hacks, and all the money from my patrons goes right back into the business and buying things like new gear and new software. It helps me continue to scale everything and hire out a team of professionals to continue to provide you guys just tons of value. You know, my goal from day one has always been to make this the greatest experience for the goalie community ever. And all the money that I make gets filtered right back into continuing to grow this thing for you guys, my community members. So if you're interested in working much closer with me and supporting my work, working side by side with an active professional goaltender, and if you're looking to catapult your development or just give back to the work that I've been doing lately, for just a few bucks a month, you can become a member of my inner circle and join my mentorship program where I offer a slew of extra perks to my community members. So either hit me up directly or head to my page at patreon.com slash goaliehacks, including the show notes for more details on how to get started. This week on the show... I have the pleasure of being joined by an old friend and mentor, a true pro with over 500 plus pro games played now over an incredibly successful long career, Mike Uzis. Mike had an interesting road to start his next level competitive hockey career, and we dive right into what it takes to play at the next level, how you can stand out and get ahead of the competition, and how to be a true professional goaltender. If you guys haven't seen yet, I just released a 16 page ebook breaking down one of the main pillars of my success over my career. And one tool that you can add to your toolbox to give you an edge over the competition on the ice. So head to my website at goaliehacks.com to register uh, to get this completely free resource and one of the biggest secrets in my career literally sent right to your inbox instantly. And this is just one piece of, of completely free exclusive content out of many free ebooks that I will be releasing for the coming months. So make sure to register so you don't miss out on any new exclusive releases. Shout out to our main sponsor, NeuroTracker. And if you guys are looking for more info on the experience people are having, just head to my Instagram page and check out the NeuroTracker story highlights and see for yourself what people are saying. If you're interested in getting started, want more details, whether you're a player or coach, young or older, definitely send me a direct message on Instagram today after this episode to get the full details on what exactly we've been doing. To kick off our sponsorship, we are giving away a free subscription for the new NTX, not available to the public yet. So stick around to the end of the show to get details on how to enter into the weekly giveaway. Without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. I know you guys are going to love the chat Mike and I had today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this week's episode of the Goalie Hacks podcast. I'm excited today to be joined by our second active professional goaltender, and a close friend and longtime mentor of mine, Mike Uzis. Mike has a very long history of being a standout goaltender at the amateur, semi-amateur, and professional levels, winning several league awards over his tenure, as well as a couple youth sports championships in the CIS up in Canada before going pro back in 2008. He has over 100 games in the ECHL and now has over 400-plus programs in the EBEL in Austria and Europe which is just crazy to think about how many games he's played accumulatively in his entire career up to this point. There's honestly no better guy I would have thought of to bring on second, a true pro and a true elite goaltender. Uzi, how you doing, buddy? Thanks for coming on the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be here. 
Yeah, no, man, it's uh, it's it's great to reconnect. I know it's been a while since we last chatted and even gone on the ice together. But for those that don't know, Mike actually used to work at my local goalie school where I grew up going to John Elkins here in Mississauga. And Mike and I spend a ton of time together in the range, in the community rinks when I was growing up. Uh, do, do you remember us training together when I was a kid? Yeah, I remember. Um, you used to always come in with so much energy. Uh, it was pretty cool because you were kind of we we're kind of similar size, and I always remembered seeing a lot of elements of of how you played that that reminded me a bit of my game. So yeah, I was always happy to train you and and help you out. It was pretty cool. Yeah, I know. For me, it was. Uh, I I can't thank you enough. Honestly, you had a. I think you had an enormous impact. I would say on on me and my career very very early on. You know, being able to chat. Uh, work with and being mentored by a guy who who might also be be considered undersized at least by NHL standards, but nonetheless very standoutish uh, even in your OHL days and and helped me a ton. You know, figure out and chat through ways to cope as a bit of a smaller guy. I can't thank you enough, man. Yeah, I'm just happy to play a small part in in your career. I'm sure you've had a lot of great coaches and stuff along the way. I'm just happy to be a, a little tiny piece of that. Yeah, well, cheers, man. Were were you in Europe when the Corona hit this season? Yeah, uh, we were there. Obviously, um, Italy got hit pretty hard, and uh, there's a team in our league, Balzano, and they're so they were they were traveling into Austria to play in playoffs, and yeah, they shut down the whole league basically within three games of playoffs. So we all, wow. everyone, pretty much scattered to find flights home and kind of get out of there before they close the border. So yeah, it was a bit yeah. of bit of a whirlwind kind of end but yeah um made it home safely i've been home now for about 10 Good. 10 weeks so it's been long right on man have you been doing anything in particular at home uh to stay in the groove uh i wouldn't necessarily stay stay in the groove um i i pretty much just started out my summer training program so i i took two weeks off um yeah like cold turkey no, no, no training, no nothing, two weeks. Uh, yeah. and then just kind of let the mind rest, let the body rest. And, and then I just started, uh, my training. So, uh, my program pretty much started since we had a little extra time this, this off season. Well, we don't know when we're, when we're going back anyways, but, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, like four weeks of prehab, like just repatterning the body, um, fixing stuff that just accumulates over the course of the year mechanics and things like that. And then, uh, and now I'm, I'm like, uh, I think it's about six weeks into my training program, strength training program. Yeah. Um, and just rolling. Yeah. I'll, I'll probably look to get on the ice in about a month or so and, uh, just prepare for camp whenever, whenever that comes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll get more into sort of your, uh, w- before we talk before the call, you had a very interesting, uh, take on sort of the year round lifestyle of a pro goalie. And we'll get to that later in the conversation, but maybe you can just start off by talking about, you know, how you got into hockey and, and how you got into goaltending. Uh, yeah. So it's kind of funny, like uh, street hockey was pretty big for us growing up. Um, and on our street, there was three or four goalies, oddly enough. And, and usually like goalies don't like to play goalie and street hockey if their goalies on the mm-hmm. ice um so I was always the youngest and I was always kind of forced to net <laughs> and I loved it and I used to watch you know you're watching hockey night in Canada on tv and mm-hmm. um and I remember asking my parents years ago like I was six seven years old if I could yeah. play hockey and you know my 
my parents can't skate. They, they had no idea what to do at that point. And so they just kind of reached out to friends of theirs who had, who had kids playing hockey and signed me up at the local rink. And yeah, so then I started there. I played, uh, I think I played about six games, you know, they rotate goalies or whatever. And yeah, I always wanted to play in net and a few games in, they, they finally gave me a shot and, uh, I got a call that night from the coach, um, and asked if I wanted to be a goalie. And I guess, uh, yeah, that was about 30 years ago. So <laughs> and for everybody listening, how old are you now? <laughs> I'll be 35 this summer. So yeah, yeah it was a, just under 30 years ago. Right on, man. So what was sort of that moment for you where you knew you wanted to be a goalie the rest of your life? Did that ever ha- kind of click for you? Not really. I mean, it just kind of like, that was it. Like once he called and asked <laughs> if I wanted to be the goalie the rest of the year, I just, <laughs> I never really looked back. I just, uh, I just loved it. And, and basically went from there yeah yeah I every other goalie I talk to it's 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 always the same thing it's like yeah I didn't really think about it and then I got thrown into it and then I ended up loving it so I just kept doing it right <laughs> oh yeah uh at that time Felix Poffin was was the goalie for the Leafs and you know yeah. he just had the coolest looking gear and he was obviously so good back then it was you know yeah. that like the 92-93 cup runs from the Leafs and and something I watched like every game and yeah, it was, that was it. That was, uh, I still wear 29 to this day because of that. And um, so it was pretty cool. Yeah. Right on, man. So I want to fast forward a bit, you know, right before your rookie season in the OHL, I saw in your lead prospects that you were in Finland, correct? Yeah. Yeah. And playing junior A as a 16 year old, how did you end up there? And what was sort of the, th- the thought process behind deciding to go there so young? Um, yeah, it was pretty, uh, it's definitely a, a road less traveled. That's for sure. Um, <laughs> so I, I was, I just finished my 15 triple a, which is, uh, which was the, the OHL draft year, I guess. Yeah. Um, I was just drafted to Barry and for the next season at that, at that time, you could only play two guys in the OHL that were drafted. Um, I know, I know it's changed now. Like if you're drafted, they, I think they can have a certain amount, but, yeah. but back then you could only have two guys. And, um, so they had their two guys. I was a third rounder. Um, and they were like, go play junior and, you know, let's, let's touch base and see where you're at next year or whatever. Yeah. So, um, so then I ended up going, I ended up going to camp in Hamilton for the tier two team at yeah. that point. And, um, my goalie partner from AAA, uh, Dave Brown, great goalie. And, you know, we were both drafted and both kind of looking for a place to play. And at that time in Hamilton, the coach called us in and said, we want to keep both of you, but we also want to bring in a 19 year old. Mm. And it was like, well, was that as like an AP or like as an affiliate? No, like they wanted to keep us all on the team. Oh, wow. So they wanted okay. to go with like a three goalie system. I mean, at least that's what he told us at the time. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, they only play what, uh, 40 games in that league, I, I believe. Yeah. So, so if you do the math, like getting eight to 10 games is probably not that great from a development standpoint. No. So I remember at the time I had a, I had an opportunity to go to a different team. And so we went in and just asked for a release so I could go. Yeah. And they actually wouldn't give me one. Really? And they wouldn't give it to me. Yeah. So, so 
after these tryouts came, I didn't really know what I was going to do. And, and I ended up playing in a, that prospects tournament that's in Toronto there. And while I was playing there, um, this guy who was my agent at the time or soon to be agent, I guess he, he came up to my parents and said, you know, would, would Mike be interested in playing in Finland? We have, uh, wow. there's a coach here from Finland scouting and they have a team going into the, going into the SM junior league, which is the top league there yeah, uh, for juniors and they need a goalie. So didn't really know what to do. Like, and that's crazy, man. That they yeah. came all the way out there, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess, I guess he, one of his sons or, or a couple of the players from that organization were, were in that tournament. Yeah. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And then, um, so my dad and I went over to Finland in, I think it was July. And it, you know, like you're, first time ever in Europe my first time on an airplane basically yeah I was gonna say probably not just Europe <laughs> yeah um going over there and practicing and uh and the level was good and and yeah we ended up just kind of sticking around and and then we flew home and uh made the decision to go I flew back uh yeah just actually it was straight I mean I'll never forget it it was 9-11 two days oh, after yeah, I, wow. two days after I landed in Finland. So obviously that's, that's Nerve a pretty, wracking. Jesus. Yeah. So it was wow. pretty uh, interesting time. That's for sure. But yeah, I was over there and, and played the season there. Yeah. Yeah. So what were some things that surprised you either about the caliber or the culture when you went over there to play junior? What's probably your biggest takeaway from that experience? Uh, well, I mean, like we had talked a little bit, uh, the culture was totally different. Um, yeah. so you know, back then it was, it's so different than what it was now or what everything is now. Like you got to remember dial up internet. And when I first went over there, yeah, when I first went over there, I didn't have a phone. Um, none of my friends had phones back then. And all of a sudden you get to Finland and Nokia is from there and all these kids are, are ripping around with these, uh, those little Nokia phones, like, you know, the tiny ones that had that bricks, on. little bricks. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> I'll never forget this. Like I remember walking into this, into high school cause I went to school there and there's this pop machine and this kid goes up to it with a phone, dials a number on the machine and all of a sudden this like Coca-Cola comes out the bottom. <laughs> and what like, year is this? This was 2001. So like <laughs> oh when did God. the first iPhone come out? Like 2008, 2009? Yeah, something like that, right before so, the recession. So we're talking like, you know, almost eight, nine years before that. So like wow. I'm mind blown when I see this. And, <laughs> um, you know, that then I got a cell phone and, and I couldn't text my parents they didn't have cell phones and we used to we used to make a plan with my parents like okay be home at seven o'clock on wednesday night so that we can call you and it would probably cost them like 50 bucks to call me right for right. 20 minutes or something back then like <laughs> like just crazy and yeah. i would talk to my friends over like msn messenger and like icq back then was was yeah. a thing and um yeah it was a big big difference for sure and obviously the language like Finnish is one of the hardest languages in the world like 
Yeah, it was, it was eye-opening for sure, especially as a, you know, wide-eyed. I just turned 16 yeah. about a week before I flew there. So, yeah, it was pretty uh, it was pretty young. And um, so from the culture side, it was definitely different. But from a hockey side, it was, it was really interesting because the level was good. Um, mm-hmm. I remember at that time, like, there were some really good goalies in the league too. Like, uh, Kari Lettinen was in the league back then. Um, yeah, there was some, some really good goalies, really good players, guys that were kind of, you know, about to get drafted. I think Lettinen was drafted top, top three to the NHL that year. I'm pretty sure. sure. Um, and so it was pretty cool to, to play against these guys for the first time and, um, travel around and, and obviously, like I was 16 and, and the league was an under 20 league. So it was basically OHL age. So, um, from a, from a level standpoint, our, our team wasn't very good. So I got a ton of, a ton of shots, played a ton of games. Um, so from that standpoint it was pretty cool. And they did a lot of goalie practices back then, which, mm-hmm. which was pretty new. Um, yeah. let's say at that, at that time. So yeah, it was, it was, it definitely, um, it definitely put me, let's say a step in the right direction, but yeah it's hard to say if, if maybe sticking around and going uh, tier two would have been a better route. I, I, I don't know what the answer would be to that, but for sure, um, that's just kind of how, how it went for me. And, and yeah. that, that's, that's the, uh, that was the path there. Well, I'm curious because, you know, like for me, when I was 17, I left home, you know, I, I was sort of like, Hey, there's better opportunity somewhere else. And that's why I left too. Um, so maybe you could just touch on a bit briefly on, you know, uh, maybe the decision to, to sort of leave and cause so many parents are scared, you know, like you, dude, you went to Finland in 2001 when we didn't even have cell phones and, <laughs> and, and, and these days, you know, parents are scared to sort of let go of their kid, go have an experience. Um, so maybe you could touch on a bit, just like how it changed you, you know what I mean? And, and how maybe it helped you mature and, 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 you know, your decision to sort of, uh, to make that jump and to, to go away from home. Was that sort of hard for you and your parents to let go? Uh, yeah, I think I should maybe ask them what it was like back then when they finally made that decision. Cause I don't think we've ever had that conversation. Really? Eh? That'd be um, interesting. Though. Yeah. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll ask them this weekend, but yeah, I don't know. Like I, I do think that it, it would definitely depend on the opportunity uh, yeah, number one absolutely. and, and the situation. So going over there, um, we met the billet family I was going to stay with. Uh, so my parents were really comfortable with that. We met yeah. all the people in the organization. We met the facilities that we met teachers. So we kind of had a lot right? Yeah. And you have to, yes. uh, and it's so important. And, you know, if you go to the OHL and, these teams have all that stuff lined up. Uh, But, but if you're, if you're going to a team that like for me, billeting in Finland was new for them. It wasn't really a thing yet. So I see. So it's just kind of different at that point, but yeah, yeah, I I mean, it it depends on the opportunity. It depends on the comfort level of the, of the parents and of the kid. And um, it definitely matured me a lot. Uh, I had to, I had to learn to be independent for the first time ever. Yeah. after after moving out of mom and dad's house so mm-hmm. uh but it would be no different than someone going to to play major junior or, or yeah play yeah. junior or something it would, it would be the same thing yeah 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 so you're saying 
if the op- if you have better opportunities somewhere, you do the due diligence. If things line up, it's sort of worth taking a shot sometimes. Then, yeah, sometimes you have to take the shot if you want to if you want to advance your career. Um, it mm. it just depends on the situation and if it's the right scenario for you. Um, then, yeah, I, I would say do it if you can. Yeah. No, I agree. It's sort of why I left home too. And that's sort of why I'm, I'm sort of touching on this a little bit, just because I think people are a little scared to make that jump or to, to take that risk and everybody wants to be comfortable. And I think something that I, you know, often tell people is, you know, you only have four or five years to like play college or play CIS or play major junior or whatever it is. Right. And you can't be too conservative when you're when you're young you know you want to make sure it's the right opportunity like you said and you're going at sort of the right time when you feel comfortable but you do have to get uncomfortable a little bit right like it's going to make you a little uncomfortable you just got to have confidence sort of you putting in that due diligence ahead of time right yeah absolutely yeah so the following year you head to the ohl and and played some games in junior a as well you know what did you find the most difficult part about uh transitioning to to major junior at a young age well i would say the biggest thing is I just wasn't prepared enough. Um, yeah. And I don't think you can stress the amount of, of preparation that you need to make that jump. Um, you know, once you, once you get to that level, like it's all about results and, and yeah, you know, you're, you're going, it's the OHL is arguably one of the best junior leagues in the world. And yeah. you're playing with players that could be a year or two out of the NHL. And it's really a, a league that you have to be prepared. And, you know, I look back now and I don't think my training was good enough in the summer. I don't think I worked hard enough. And I just yeah. don't think that I was like prepared to make that step. And I, I do sort of feel like I had this, well, I just came out of Finland. Like it's going to be a, like a, you know, I'll be able to transition, no problem. But like, yeah. you know, it just wasn't it for me. I, I, I struggled and they gave me some opportunities. Um, yeah. You know, we had a, we had a great, a great goalie. Paula Koliakova was playing there. Um, he had an all-star season. And, you know, my role at that time was to be his backup and to be really good at my opportunities to play. And I just was basically neither of those um, because I, I wasn't really prepared to, yeah. to do that. And mm-hmm. along the way, I remember thinking when I think back, I remember kind of the thinking like I should be playing more games. Like, why am I not playing? And, but realistically, right. it's like, well, you're not making saves in practice. You're not working harder than anybody. And you're just, getting into games, you're not really playing that well. Um, so yeah. when I think back, it, like I just wasn't good enough and prepared enough. And I remember getting sent down a tier two. I remember how humbling that is when you're just like, yeah, well, I'm down here. I got to find a way to play. Um, yeah. And I went down there and, and uh, basically just, kind of found my game and found a level of, of compete that I hadn't had in a little while. Um, and it was, it was big for me to, to go down there and find my game for sure. And, you know, the, the one thing like that's so interesting when you get to that OHL level is like, 
nobody really cares what you've what you've done before that anyway yeah and it's the same thing when you get to pro um but but at that given time like when i when you first step in the ohl like you're you're wide-eyed and and you have to find a way to to bring your game and 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 perform mm-hmm. sometimes you need to take a almost like a step back to take two forward right it was humbling in terms of it it, uh, it built humility in you right to sort of look in the mirror and then you know find ways to win find ways to get results because like you said it's sort of result driven business um and high performance sports are you know a lot of people play hockey to have fun but it's it's sort of the way it is right um maybe for you you know what was something that you did or said to yourself or or whether within the experience that sort of allowed you to uh be uh have more humility i guess is the right word you know what i mean and for kids that are sort of struggling with that um you know that aspect of like looking in the mirror and saying okay do i need to be better you know showing honesty um what was something you did that changed your personality and sort of your perspective on that well to be honest um i didn't really know what to do uh and yeah you know if if i could go back and do it all over again uh, my approach would be totally different but i think that you know at that time you, you're just i would you know you go from being let's say a good goalie to making one step and you know i thought i was okay in finland my like not great but not terrible whatever yeah. and then you go into the ohl but like you got to become as good as you can be all over again. And it's all, it's like a new yeah. start. And yeah, I, I just don't, I just wasn't ready to make that jump because I don't think I prepared well enough in the summer. And yeah, you know, having that, having the guidance that, that a lot of kids have now, I think will, will help them out so much more than, than at that time uh, for me anyway. Um, but it was a lot different back then. You know, we had a goalie coach and I remember our goalie practices were like pucks on each face off dot and somersault from one side to the other, make a kick save, somersault the other way, make a kick save. <laughs> well, I seen, uh, uh, what's his name? Merzlikens doing that. It was yeah. some of his and, older drills. And that was our goalie practices. And I was, a let's say, uh, my era goalie is like that 80, kind of the 83, 84, 85, 86. Yeah. Let's say we were kind of the start of like everybody becoming a quote unquote butterfly style goalie. We were kind of the, right. That was, the that was kind of the wave because I know everyone younger than me when I was 20 and these 16 year olds coming in, like everybody played butterfly style at that point. Yeah. We still had like the guys older than me. There was still kind of a mix. There were your butterfly guys. There were your kind of the hybrid guys. Um, there was a bit of a mix, and so the game had changed a lot in that perspective too. But yeah, I think that's the one thing. Looking back, like I just don't think I was prepared enough, and and going down helped me kind of find my game a little bit, and yeah. and prepared me a lot more for what was to come. So, in your opinion, looking back. Um, from a preparation standpoint for kids looking to make that transition to the OHL, what's probably the biggest recommendation you have for them to, to properly prepare? Uh, yeah, I would say, I would say the number one thing is to have patience. Yeah. 
I would say you you would have to be a little more patient with uh, with the process, and you have to know that it's a lot bigger than just you. Yeah. So if the team's plans are to put you into one game or ten games or twenty games, that's like your job, regardless yeah. if you play one or ten or twenty. But I would say that. So you have to be a little more patient in the process that you're not, chances are you're probably not just going to jump in yeah, and, play and, right away. and play a ton of games. I mean, obviously it happens, but for sure, but not super often. No. Um, I would say you got to be very like tenacious and, and work. Um, you got to find a way to be a super hard worker. Yeah. Sort of and, find, get, get acclimated to the level, right? you got to find a way to, to adjust the level, whether it's, you know, like competing so hard in practice, taking extra shots, working a little extra with the goalie coach, if you can, whatever it is, you got to find a way to, to really work extremely hard to, to make yourself ready for that level. Yeah. Um, ask questions, like ask questions to goalies that you see at camps that are playing at that level yeah. or higher ask questions to your goalie partner. Like chances are you're probably going in a situation. I mean, more often than not, it's, it's usually a 19 year old and a 16 or 17 year old, most of mm -hmm. these teams. Um, and the guy that, that you're playing with has just been through the same thing you're going through like a couple years before. And, um, you know, that's a relationship, a friendship that I, I was thinking the other day, like I, I FaceTimed, uh, Justin Peters, who I played with in St. Mike's 17 years ago, we're still good buddies. Right. I was on FaceTime with Neil Conway, who we played with in Owen Sound. That yeah. was in 05. Um, you know, like like these are these are my goalie partners from the OHL that I still talk to 15 to 17 years later. Yeah, it's crazy. And they're still great friends. And and it's like, you know, the relationship you build with your partner is is one that you guys feed off each other and work and and like you guys need each other yeah so i would say you got to find a way to you know ask questions and and shadow them and and yeah and work your way to be be the best version of you but yeah. but don't be afraid to ask like like different things and and chances are guys guys want to help each other mm -hmm. um now that being said, you know there is there is going to be the competition naturally of just playing together. Yeah, everybody um, wants games, right? Everybody wants games, but but you know you can still be a great guy about it and and great friend with it and and have a healthy competition and and have fun with it. It'll make you, it'll make you better. It'll make your team better. Um, yeah, so I I would say be a little more patient, be tenacious, and 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 work extremely hard and just stick to the process of what your job is. And if your job is to, you know, stay on late in practices because guys want to take shots, that's your job. If, yeah. if you got to play five games a year, find a way to be really good for five games a year. Yeah. Um, and obviously go from there. Yeah. So your third year in the OHL, you get a starting role finally. And, uh, and you completely excel in the 05 season, playing 50 games, including playoffs, and then 
winning goalie of the year uh, award in the OHL. You know, uh, we talked a bit prior to how that sort of all went down, but, you know, maybe you can sort of talk about leading up to that season, leading up to getting that many games and then walk us through some key areas where you, where you grew since you first entered the league that sort of allowed you to excel and eventually win that award. Yeah. So that, uh, that summer I just finished in St. Mike's. So I was traded after my first year from Barry to St. Mike's, uh, in Toronto, uh, played a year there, uh, with, uh, Justin there and, and St. Mike's. And then, uh, going into that summer, I, I knew I was going into my 19 year old year. Um, uh, PD just had an incredible season. Was just drafted second round. Um, he had played incredible the year before. He played forty something games. Um, so I was a backup there, and then and then basically going into the third year, like I was pretty much in the same scenario. Um, and it was interesting too because the coach from Barry had just got fired from Barry and then signed in Toronto. So he came to Toronto. But like that summer for me was was really a big change because I I just dove in head first and and I was like I need to find a way to basically make or break my career at that point. Yeah. Um, so I so I I had a good summer of work. Um, I was prepared, more prepared than I had ever been. Um, I went to camp in Toronto, and actually I had a had a pretty good camp. I remember and. You know, I remember the coach calling me in. So I, I'd already been with this coach in Barry two years before, mm-hmm. and he basically said, "You know, like Mike, we're gonna we we don't have room for both of you. We have a young guy coming in that we we want to be a backup to Justin, and and we want to give Justin a lot of games, rightfully so. Um, and so then they traded me from St. Mike's to Mississauga, just down the road." Um, but the goalie Missaga was David Chance. So, uh, PD and, and Chancey were both drafted like second round to the NHL. Yeah. Um, like one after the other kind of thing. <laughs> and it was, it was kind of like, well, you know, obviously I was just traded to be more or less a backup in Missaga. Yeah. And I remember getting there and, and the goalie coach was Ronnie Mays, um, at the time. And, and I remember sitting down with Ronnie and, kind of said, you know, we brought you in because we need a guy to to play some games if if Shancy doesn't play that well and um or needs a break or whatever or whatever you want to call it at that point. Yeah. And um he said, what are your expectations? And I just kind of looked at him and said, I want to be the guy. I want to be the starter here. Mm-hmm. And it's funny how it, it kind of worked out. And and I just went about my business day to day of like trying to be a, a good teammate with the guys and just work as hard as I can Yeah, every single day. Like, like basically I got nothing to lose. I'm, I'm going in my, I'm in my 19 year old season. Um, and I got to find a way to earn some games. And then it, it just kind of, we had a good team. So it just kind of snowballed like, I would play one game a week, play well. Yeah. Um, one out of three, I'd play. And then the next week, like one out of three, and then one out of three. And then all of a sudden, it became like two out of three, two out of three, two out of three. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, it, it snowballed into like, I'm playing like 
10 games in a row, 15 games in a row. And Unreal. But my mentality never changed. It was just yeah. one, like, day-to-day, like, I just want to keep working as hard as I can. And didn't want to take the moment for granted. And I just wanted to, like, I wanted to win. That was probably the biggest thing. I just wanted to yeah. win with this team. And so that was kind of how I went about it. And yeah, it, it, it literally saved my career, I guess you could say, um, at that point. Mm-hmm. Maybe you can walk us through some like key areas throughout the year, you know, that, that you think that you broke through, you know, compared to like your first year and then being a backup, you know, what was sort of that shift in your mindset or the work you did during the year? you know, uh, that allowed you to sort of become the starter and then eventually win that goalie of the year award, uh, even though you didn't necessarily expect to off the get go. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just, I just thought I'd, I had to work hard, um, and work harder than everybody I could. Like, I, I didn't really, you know, I don't know if that's possible, but I just was like, I need to give it my all every single day. I yeah. need to find a way to compete every day. We had, we had some really, really good players, uh, future NHLers on that team. And I was like, every day in practice, I'm stopping these guys. Yeah. Cause in my, in my head, it was like, if I can stop that guy, I can stop a lot of other players in the league. Mm-hmm. Um, it's actually something that I've kind of taken with me my whole career. Um, and, but that's the mentality that I had every day. And it was like, you know, finding ways with the goalie coach, with Ronnie, we were, we were watching video almost every day of games and, and what can we improve and, and what are we working on and what, what can we do better? And, and just that kind of relentless approach to how always can I, right? pardon, sorry. Always trying to get better, right? I was just trying to get better every day and, and work yeah. hard every day. And that was literally it. Um, I remember that off season uh, and I, I was, I went to see um, a new trainer that I'd never seen before. Um, and it was so different for me. I remember seeing uh, Andy Chioto at this, at this training facility and, and Andy and I are still good buddies and another guy we still have known each other for tw- almost 20 years now. And I remember going in there as he was leaving and I remember seeing he was just covered in sweat. Yeah. And I had never seen anyone sweat like that, (laughs) but, but you know, it was such an eye opening. Here's a guy who's a couple years older than me was just like, he was just an all-star goal of the year in the OHL. And I was like, wow, like, I need to work way harder than I do. Yeah. It put things into perspective for you, right? It, it was like a, like an aha moment. And Andy's been, uh, instrumental in my career. So many, so many levels along the way. Um, but that was the first thing that I, that I took from him. Um, as far as like, like work ethic. Yeah. And it, it just kind of got ingrained in me. And then, uh, working with Justin Peters, like, like if this guy works as hard as anybody mm-hmm. and it was like, wow. Okay. Like I need to work way harder. 
And so then that kind of led me into that summer into going into my 19th season. And then that was my mentality. Like I want to work as hard as I can and, and find ways to get better. And, and yeah, that that's kind of how it went. And, and as far as like uh, the goal of the year thing, to be honest, I had no idea I was even in the running. Like I had no clue. <laughs> I didn't even know I was up for the award. I had, had no idea. Um, and I remember just being at my billet house and actually like we had just lost out in playoffs. Um, and yeah, I remember being in my billet house and, and basically I got a message saying like, congrats, you're OHL goal of the year. And I was like, wow, like it's crazy. Not, it's not something I would have ever expected. And it was, uh, obviously really, really like a, like a big honor um, to receive that award, but it was something that definitely wasn't, it wasn't something I was aiming towards and it wasn't something that I even expected. Well, I think the takeaway from what I'm hearing is sort of, you just, you just, every single day, you took it day by day and you sort of strive to be the best version of yourself every day and do your job to the best of your ability. Right. And, um, even with some other goalies chatting and, and guys that have won things like that, you know, uh, a lot of guys, they sort of just get lost in that process, right? Of just being the best version of them every day. And you're not getting too focused on the future. You're not thinking about the past. You're just, like you said, you're being in the moment, being where your feet are. And, and then over the course of the year, because you're just so in the moment all the time, trying to be the best version of you every day, it adds up to something you never really could have thought you could accomplish, right? Yeah, but I mean, I think the other takeaway would be that it took me to see other guys and how they worked for me to realize how hard you have to work in this game. Um, and it's something that I try to still bring to this day. And that was probably the biggest thing. So yeah, all that, all your points are, are absolutely right. But I, I honestly don't think that if I didn't see the way other guys were working uh, for me at that time, I just don't think that, it would have brought me to the level that I need to be at. Yeah. It's like uh, the saying, if you want to be a pro, you got to train like a pro, right? Yeah. You definitely have to find a way to do that. Um, and usually that's by seeing guys that do it before you and, and how they, how they find ways to bring it for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Now jumping forward a bit, you go play at the university of new Brunswick, which is now easily one of the best programs, if not the best program in the country, uh, you win a championship in your first year and then another championship in your second year, including first all-star team, all-Canadian second team, and all-tournament team honors. Crazy run during your collegiate career. Um, maybe we can start off just just what was the most surprising part about going to CIS Collegiate Sports from going to the OHL? Uh, yeah, so when I first got to school, um, the reason I went to school was I just didn't have anything worthwhile to go at it pro um yeah. and school is important to me to get done uh you know i didn't have any offers any nhl offers i didn't have any hl offers i had a couple east coast offers out of my overage year in the o yeah. and i i also already had like almost a year a year and a half done a school finished mm-hmm. of university already done uh through course i had taken in my last two last uh two and a half years in the OHL. So then 
what I did with that was I, I talked to the coach there and, and we went back and forth and, and basically we're like, well, I can probably finish in two years. And that was a big factor for me in going to UNB is that the, the coach there was so supporting of that. And he's like, absolutely. He said, if you can yeah. come here and contribute to this program and, and do your best and, and graduate and hopefully go pro after. Absolutely. So that was, that was my biggest thing. Uh, a couple bu- good buddies of mine were going to the school there. Um, so that made it an easy decision. So when I first got there, I mean, it's hard to think of how much the school is advanced now, which is crazy to think like yeah. 13 years ago um, since I was there is that when I first got there, it's so different because in the OHL, like you're treated like a king great facilities, great, anything you need, like is there, your gear's there, day one to camp, like all that stuff. And, and at school and the CIS is sometimes a little bit different. And I remember going there and, and UMB has a good facility, um, like great facility, probably one of the best in, in all of college sports in, in Canada for sure. But definitely not as nice as when we went down to go see like Boston university and, and yeah. things like that. <laughs> um, so, so, you know, you were at school and it, it just, I just remember thinking like, okay, well, I need to find a way to make this work because yeah. it was just different. Um, you know, we had older guys, we had younger guys. We just had a, like a cool mix of guys, but not everyone was like on the level of, of, like, I want to go pro right away. Like, and that yeah. was still kind of in my mindset. Um, so it took me some time to really be where my feet are and, and be like, if I'm going to be at school, I still need to enjoy my time at, of the experience of going to university while being a good student and also yeah. being the best goalie I can be. And so then I went to, when I got to UMB, like, you know, everything was good, but our team wasn't actually that good that year. Like we were kind of like a mid pack team most of the year. Uh, my numbers, I don't even think, I think we're pretty average. Uh, it took me a little time to get my footing. We had a great, I had a great, uh, great goalie partner there, mentor there. Uh, Reg Borsier actually had, he had like the record of, of most consecutive CIS games played up until that season with like four straight years and a half, basically. Jeez. Um, and then I'd got there and, and started playing some games. And um, so in one sense, I was kind of in the same scenario of when I got to Mississauga um, in like, they have a starter and like I'm plugged in to be a backup unless I try to just outwork, which Reggie's a super hard worker, but it, it worked so well for both of us that we both worked really hard and fed off each other. And that was really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So then that year, like, it just fell into place. We we ended up getting the playoffs, and as you know, anything can happen in playoffs. We yeah. we uh, we won the first round and um, made our way to the finals. And in the finals, we played against Moncton, who was hosting nationals that year. And we actually lost to Moncton in that finals in the the best of three, so in the third game. But then we got to nationals, and we just had this like they ranked us last. Um, out of, there was only six teams in the tournament at that time. So they ranked us six out of six. <laughs> and it was like, 
like just fuel for us, I guess, as a team. Yeah. We just came together. On your shoulder, right? Well, yeah, we came together. We we won like I think it was seven one and one nothing the first two games. Like, and then all of a sudden we're in the final, like in the because it's only a three game scenario there. So yeah, yeah, we played Moncton in the final. Um, ended up winning in double overtime. Um, probably one of the most cherished experiences of my career for sure was winning that, um, pretty awesome experience and, and just going back to the city and, and, you know, the celebration stuff was pretty awesome. Um, it'd been a while since UNB had won and, but then like things really changed there. Uh, so then going into the next year, like all of a sudden our culture was totally different. Like we walked in that day one and we're like, we're playing for that feeling again. Like we want to be a national championship team. Yeah. Um, and we ended up going, I think it was 26, one and one out of 28 games. Uh, mm-hmm. We didn't lose a game in the second half of the season until actually the national final, which, which sucked obviously. Oh, uh, but, and we lost to Alberta, who's another big powerhouse, but like, it changed the entire uh, like program and basically how, cause all those guys now like that started that second year. Cause the second year we had a lot of new players and all those guys went on to play three, four, five years at UNB yeah. and they all won a lot of them, two, three rings, wow. national championships and, and changed the entire culture. Yeah. Uh, so it was, so it was amazing how like winning one time and then bringing the, that winning mentality the next year just kind of snowballed into them. Now, you know, that it's the best program in in my opinion, in all of Canadian hockey for sure, by far. Mm -hmm. Um, And Alberta would be like obviously close second, but, um, and I'm biased to that by the way. So, (laughs) well, I mean, it's crazy to look back because now UMB is considered one of the best programs in the country, like I mentioned, if not the best. And it sort of all sparked around the time where you guys sort of didn't even think you're going to really win it and just came together and, and and got it done. And it, like you said, it just totally changes the culture for decades to come, right? Yeah. And, and it's funny how we won. Like we didn't have any superstars. We, we had uh, Daryl Boyce, who's awesome in college, ended up playing the NHL the next year. Mm-hmm. Um, and some other really good OHL players. Yeah, or you know, Canadian major junior players. Yeah. We had we had a lot of good players, but we also had older guys that were like, they knew they were kind of retiring. Yeah, and these guys the were diving in front of pucks and you know eating pucks and just yeah. like finding ways to get the job done. And it was like just one of those things where all these guys in this team, on a team that literally like when you're ranked six going to nationals. Like they're like, yeah, this this team's not even close to winning. <laughs> it probably worked in your favor a little bit, eh? People underestimated yeah. you guys. Yeah, but it was just like one of those things where we just came together as a group and and found a way to win, and and it was pretty awesome. It was it was a really special moment, and then obviously the next year we just kind of kept it going with the same attitude, and and now they've they've been doing that now. Of, I mean, they started before I was there, that's for sure. But yeah. it just kind of um, 
started snowballing at that at that time and then yeah. and then developed into what it is now yeah so competing in some of those obviously during your time there you played in some pretty high stakes games you know what were some things that that you did or said to yourself to sort of manage the anxiety and the stress and you know uh those big moments like in that ot game you're talking about right what what's some what are some things that you rely on to you know sort of lead you to victory um i'm a personally i'm a big self-talk guy i i I like to stick to my cues and, and, and that kind of thing. Um, but to be honest, Matt, like I just wanted to win. I was just competing to win and I was just trying to be in the moment. And it was like one game at a time, national final, like, like you're just literally one save at a time. Yeah. And you're just like trying to stick with that rhythm over and over again. And, and, I do really strongly believe, especially at this point in my career, like if your preparation and your mindset and all that stuff is in line, like your game's going to kind of take care of itself. Yeah. And if you prepare well and you train well, and, and at that point of the year, like what I can't do any extra goalie practice, that's going to make me any better. Like, like I've already done all that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That process for me started, in june and now it's march so like you know it, it's a it's an ongoing process and i think that the once you get there like to find a way to just be where your feet are be in the moment enjoy where you are and just compete and play is like so important yeah. it's it's easier said than done but once you can get to that it, it really helps well, I'm curious, what are your, like, I'm a big self-talk guy too. I always have been. Um, what are, what are some of your uh, self-talk cues that you use either when you make a save or when you get scored on and bouncing back? You know what I mean? What are some things that you say to yourself? Um, well, I, I mean, I, I really am a big believer in having a system. Yeah. Um, Love that and having like a system for my game. So a lot of my self-talk is just cueing myself of like, like get in position, get in position, get in position. I just like tell myself, like just get in position, find the puck, like find the puck, see the puck, get in position. Mm -hmm. Um, And those are kind of things that I'm just like rolling over and over again. Um, And that's, that's basically it. And, And just compete. Like sometimes I just tell myself like, like just breathe and compete. Um, so little things like that, like I have a couple cues and I have them, but yeah, it's, it kind of goes down for sticking with that consistently and, and it's taken a lot of practice over the years, but yeah, but yeah, maybe you can touch a bit on their, your idea of, and we talked about it prior to the conversation of you love the idea of having a system, maybe detail a bit what exactly that means. Cause I think everybody keeps asking me, they're like, what, I don't get it. System, system. What do you mean? Cause there's so many different kinds, but maybe you can break that concept down a little bit and, and sort of how to articulate that a bit to the younger audience. Uh, yeah, I could try. I hope, I hope it'll make sense, but I, I believe in having a, a system of, of play that works for each individual goalie. Yeah. So, you know, I, I really think you want to do things very consistently. So when I do goalie practice in the summer, I have a A to Z approach, no different than a, my summer off ice training plan. So my on ice training plan is kind of similar in the sense that it starts at 
point A and it ends up at Z. Yeah. Um, and throughout that process, like when I first get back on the ice and I'm just learning to train my body to T-push again, I want to make sure everything's symmetrical. I want to make sure my stance is filling space in the net and big. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure that when I move, I'm, I'm stopping in the same spots over and over and over again. So mm-hmm. am I hitting, do I want to be toes top of the crease? Do I want to gain momentum at this point? Do I want to push set at this point when I slide? Am I, do I hit the post and stick the post a certain way? Like mm-hmm. all that stuff for me is the foundation of, of my game and my system. Mm-hmm. Um, and then from there you, you factor in things like whatever you want to call it now, box control and, yeah. and different things like that. And that's just, but having that foundation of like hitting my spots very consistently is a big part of, of my game. Mm-hmm. And I think that when you can do that consistently, you develop a system that works for you and everyone's going to be different, but I will say that when you have a good foundation and let quote unquote system is like, if I'm not feeling that well on a given night, pucks still have to like go around me to get in. So if I eliminate pucks going through me and under me and I still get to the spot that I need to get to, I'm still forcing a guy to beat me with a pretty good shot. Yeah. Otherwise I should be in good enough position to make a save Mm -hmm. and I can control how hard I work and fighting for things and, and this and that. So even if I'm not, let's say, tracking the puck very well on a given night, I still trust enough in my system to yeah. carry me that I'll still be in good position. I'll still be able to work to that position mm-hmm. and force the puck to like beat me or force a guy to beat me, basically. So that's why I really believe in having that that foundation, that that system in your game where like if you're doing goalie practices and you're practicing every single rep you're doing something different. It's hard to develop a consistent game, a consistent system. Mm-hmm. So I hope that answered it. Mm-hmm. No, it does. And I, it's funny. Uh, we often, when things aren't going well, it's almost like goalies let go of that system. When in fact, when things are going bad, that's when you lean on that system even more, right? That's how we find ways to sort of play good or okay. Even on our bad nights. Correct. Absolutely. And I think that when you watch the best goalies in the world and, you know, I'm just as much of a goalie geek as anybody else. I love watching these guys at the highest level and they do the same stuff so remotely consistent, like yeah. remotely consistent is not exactly what I want to say, but so they do the same stuff so consistently well, every single play. Yeah. And then, you know, if you got a, if you read a shot and you, and you make a glove save a certain way, or you react on a puck a certain way that it is what it is, but like for the nuts and bolts of the shots that are coming in, they initiate how far out they want to step on a shot or on a situation. They slide to a certain place almost very consistently. Yeah. They, they move across a certain way, whether it's T push shuffle, whatever works for them. Like, all these guys at the best level do those things so consistently and what everyone thinks is just routine saves they make it look really routine because they're in great position they control the rebound and they make the save look easy but no one thinks about that being like well i shouldn't say a lot of guys think about it 
being the same way, but they do those things the same way over and over and over again. Yeah. So their foundation is so consistent and that's why they're able to be consistent night in night out for, I mean, at the NHL level, 60, these guys are playing 60 plus games. Yeah, I agree. So you get an amazing opportunity in the, in the ECHL. Uh, you finished your degree in two years because you, you did some school beforehand. Eventually go on to play 100-plus games in that league. Uh, for you, where was the area you think you struggled with the most when you're transitioning to, to pro level after college? Uh, I was – yeah. So I after school, I, I was uh, – I signed my first pro contract with the HL uh, Marlies and – so I was in the the organization there, um, and was sent down to Reading. And this is, I guess, this is what I what I'm leading into is I, yeah. I just wasn't prepared for like the. I don't know if anyone really is, but I remember getting sent down to the coast right out of camp, um, and I get there, and then all of a sudden, uh, two goalies get sent down, two more guys get sent down. Yeah, and then. I'm the third wheel now and I haven't even like had a practice, but all of a sudden there's three of us there and, and only yeah. two. So then I get shipped out from Reading to Fresno, California <laughs> in the coast. So like, yeah. I think that's the thing that, that you're not really prepared for that much in the pro game is how much, how exactly. much movement there yeah. is and elements that you're just, really not really expecting or, or don't even know are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I was in Fresno and then our team folded at Christmas. Wow. So then I ended up getting shipped back to Reading. No way. Yeah. So then I ended up <laughs> back in Reading. Um, and a week later, like the coach got fired. <laughs> and it was oh like, my God. <laughs> yeah, it was a bit of a whirlwind and, and I'd never seen any of this stuff before, you know, yeah, that's so, crazy. So like, and, but, but with all that going on, the reality is you still got to find ways to perform. Yeah. Um, so I think to your question, it's like, you don't really, you're not really prepared for any of that stuff because if you've never experienced it, you'll, you're not prepared for it. Well, even in juniors, they don't have that many transactions and I know it too. That was sort of the, for the same thing before I even got out of camp diced, you know, and you're like, wow, okay, this is how it is. And then you sort of, uh. That first time you get sent down or you get cut or whatever, it's when you start to to wake up and smell the roses of sort of the movement that goes on and, and how you sort of need to take charge of yourself and do your job, right? Focus on doing your job to the best of your ability. Try and avoid those distractions is what they are, right? Well, the, you said it perfect. Like your job doesn't change. No matter what team you end up on, your job is still to perform. And yeah. these any team in in pro hockey has has moving parts to it that are way bigger than than you know us as goalies mm-hmm. and our job no matter where we are is is to find ways to perform no matter what your role is and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about in the OHL like if your job is to play 10 games you got to find a way to be really good in those 10 games yeah and you also got to find a way to be a really good teammate and a really good like hard worker in practice and all that kind of stuff. You got to find ways to do all that regardless of the moving parts that you can't control anyway. So yeah, it, it's definitely a, it was definitely eye opening right away, but yeah, I found a way to stick around um, from after going back to Reading, 
the coach that I had in Fresno the year before ended up taking over the job in Vegas. And uh, so I ended up in Vegas for a couple of years and, and then I, I went over to Europe from there. Yeah. So for you uh, and kids looking to go pro, for me, I would say the most important skill that that sort of I learned and, and built and developed as a young goalie that I feel like translates to pro is sort of that that ability to find ways to win. Right. And the biggest thing when I got to pro was it was crazy how many scoring chances that they get a game in pro hockey compared to so structured in college. Um, but for you, you know, what was what's maybe the most important skill you think that, that kids can sort of focus on today that will help them develop into or will help them transition to pro hockey much easier or something that will translate to pro the pro level one day? I think the biggest skill you can have, I was just watching that uh, Michael Jordan documentary. Yeah. And I, I, I got to check who was, who was talking in that particular time. But what they said about, about Jordan was what he does better than everybody, anybody else aside from the running, jumping, playing basketball was that he is completely present. Yeah. he, like and and I, the quote that sticks out to me is like Michael would say, "Why would I think about a shot I haven't even taken yet?" <laughs> and I, but I think that's so true as a goalie. It's like, yeah. why am I going to think about where I could be or where I could end up or what's going to happen or what the result's going to be? It's like, right? Like if you're if you're making that jump to pro or I, I mean, realistically, if you're just being a goalie, it's like, where are you right at this exact second? Yeah. And, and when you get into a game, no matter which level you're playing at, it's like, I need to be here. I don't need to be thinking about what may or may not happen because if I could, if I could draw out my path probably would be a lot different than what it ended up to be. Oh yeah. I think all of us, right. We have to roll the punches a bit. (laughs) Of course. And, and everybody, I guarantee you, everyone is the same. So it's like, well, if you can find a way to just be very present of where you are and no matter where you are, just find ways to, to like win that specific day as far as like, yeah. Even if it's in practice, right. Whether it's practice, whether it's an off day, whatever it is, like workout doesn't matter. Like just be where you are at that moment because there's so many things you can't control. Yeah. And I would say that would be the biggest thing. Like if you can really find a way to just be where you are and and worry about the things you control, which is how you play on the ice Mm -hmm. or your work ethic, then it'll, it'll go a long way. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree a hundred percent with that. And pro is very distracting and the transactions and everything that happened, but you, you hit the nail on the head. You, you're still expected to do your job, whether it's 10 games or it's 40 games, you're there for a reason. Um, and you're there expected to do your job, right? So, um, you decide to make the jump to Europe after four years in North America and you decide to go to the Ebel, which is the Austrian hockey league. You know, why do you decide to make that jump to Europe when you did, uh, and what were your, sort of your goals for going over there? Yeah. So I, I played those couple years in the coast and I basically didn't really see much of an upside for me, uh, for myself going to the American league at that point. Yeah. Uh, I had a pretty good season um my third year and it didn't really lead to I was called up three times and played in uh like one period yeah 
and that was it. That's, that's all the AHL experience I have. And uh, that summer, um, I got a call from a, from an agent and I guess this team in Zagreb, the, the managers were at a game in the playoffs that year watching another guy, like a player. Yeah. And for whatever reason, it's funny how this kind of happens, but I played probably two of my best games ever back to back. <laughs> and they were there watching. <laughs> and it just happened to work out that these guys were there and they needed a goalie. Yeah. And um, so they sent me an offer and I took it. Um, and I started in, yeah, in the the Austrian league there. And, and that was in Zagreb. So I started out in Zagreb. Yeah. And you said you had an interesting story about when you first arrived in Europe. What what exactly happened there? Yeah. Um, it was pretty interesting. So have you ever been to Croatia? No, I, I have honest. I've never even been to Europe. I just signed in Belgium. So it'll be exciting oh, to get over there. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. yeah. You. So, uh, so in Croatia, everything happens a little bit slower than most countries, let's say. So um, <laughs> in the summertime, uh, most of their... All the people that live in, you know, Zagreb will will end up going to the coast and and staying at their. They all have summer homes out on the water, on the coast of Croatia, stunning place. And so I fly over there, and I I was wearing Vaughn. I wore Vaughn for twenty something years. Yeah, and I was wearing Vaughn at the time, and um, they had sent my gear straight to Zagreb. So we coordinated, or we coordinated that like instead of them sending it to me in Canada they would just send it straight to Zagreb and it'll be there when I arrive. Yeah. So I get the tracking number, whatever, like the gear is in at the post office or whatever. Mm -hmm. So we had practice on the Monday. It landed on the Friday. I landed on the Friday. Couldn't make it in time to the post office Friday close on the weekend. So I went first thing Monday morning, like no problem. Like perfect. I'll just go grab my gear, go right to the rink, put it on first, first practice, like very first practice. Yeah. So I go to the rink or sorry, I go to the post office and it's weird how it's set up. It's not like here, but anyway, you go in there and it's just like boxes are everywhere. And I see this huge box that says Vaughn on it. And I'm like, Oh yeah. Like there's my stuff right there. Like I'll take that box and go <laughs> now. Keep in mind, I don't speak Croatian. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Google translate is still like not a thing. I, I have my, I had a BlackBerry back then, like didn't have a SIM card. Like, so, so I can't translate and I'm just like pointing at this box and pointing at myself and then pointing at the door. So basically like, can I have the box so I can leave? <laughs> and this guy just looks at me and he's just like, Sutra, Sutra, which in Croatian you, you learn to find out means tomorrow. Oh, I see. He's like tomorrow, tomorrow. I'm like, what do you mean? Like box. And he just like, no, no. So anyway, I don't end up leaving with that box that day. So I have, <laughs> I have no gear and it's my first time in Europe. You're trying to make a good impression. Like the last thing I want to do is not skate the first day of camp. Yeah. Um, so I had, I had my own skates. I had a mask and that's basically it. Cause the rest was all in that box. Like everything. So what did you use? So the trainer is like, oh, you can just use my equipment. And I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, yeah, you use my equipment today. 
So he goes somewhere, pulls out a set of gear from like 15 years ago. <laughs> what, what, do you know what company it was? It was, uh, oh, no, I don't remember now, but <laughs> I'll tell you this. Like I felt every puck that day. So I skated in this guy's gear. Like I don't even know. And I wore all of the trainer's gear the first day of camp. It was the worst. Like you're trying to make an impression as far yeah. as like work hard and try to make saves. And all of a sudden, like you're wearing like a, almost like a two piece chest protector from, from 25 years ago. Doesn't protect you at all. <laughs> well, just like, it's not my gear. <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah. So my first ever skate in Europe, I ended up uh, wearing the trainer's equipment out of, wow out of the closet and all of us. And then the next day I could get my gear and skate. So that was an interesting experience for sure. That, wow. Let's start with that. Yeah. Well, I mean, it rough start, but over 400 plus games now in the league, which is exceptional, you know, uh, <laughs> for you, what are some big differences that, between North American style game and European game that you noticed? Uh, I mean, the ice is a big factor. Uh, so obviously there's more space out there. Uh, it kind of works both ways. Uh, I like the bigger ice. I think it's great. It gives you more like those court when you're at that pro level, those quarter seconds, those half seconds you get back and that little bit further distance, I feel like makes a huge difference. No, uh, true. Yeah, um, definitely. But you also have to factor in that better players get more time. Right. Right. So right. they're able to make plays with more time and, which could turn into a, a better scoring chance at sometimes yeah. as well. Right. So it, there is a give and take there for sure. For um, sure. But I would say that, I mean, the ice is the biggest difference. All the rules are the same. Um, yeah. Nothing's really. And what about the skill level with the guys? Is it more, cause I know between them, even American to Canadian game is much different. And obviously you hear a lot that the guys there are just so skill driven skating skill, not much physicality. Is that true? Uh, it's definitely more of a, let's, I would say, quote unquote, a skilled game over there, even though I think the leagues over here have turned into that quite a bit. Yeah, um, I think so too. I do think, I mean, Austria is not your top league over there. So it yeah. is, there is definitely, there is some high skill, but I would say, you know, when you really look at leagues like the KHL and, and Sweden and Switzerland, yeah. like those leagues, the skill level is really top, really yeah. top notch. Um, you know, during your time there, you've had the highest save percentage in the league twice. Uh, and we chatted a bit earlier, uh, a couple weeks ago when we first got on the phone about how being a pro goaltender is a full-time job. It's a year round thing. And we alluded to that earlier in the conversation. Um, maybe you can touch on that a bit, you know, what it takes out of you physically and mentally and sort of that expectation to be able to compete and be a, a pro level starter. Uh, yeah, I guess so. I mean, as far as the the numbers go, I mean, to be honest now, I kind of make a rule for myself where I don't even look at them during the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes you just happen to have a, a maybe a good team or or things kind of fall into place to get, to get those kind of accolades, I guess. But uh, I mean, I don't really don't really think about them like that. Like if if our team's not winning a championship, I I always feel like I could have done more. Yeah, absolutely. We're all chasing championships for sure. So that's kind of the, that's kind of the thing there. Um, but as far as uh, being a full-time job, yeah. Like 
like my job is a professional goalie. That's my, that's my job. Um, that's how I make my living. So everything from the end of season, two weeks off, start training. Um, like I kind of touched on an A to Z training program, start to finish. Then along the way, I, I do a, like a 20 skate uh, plan that starts at point A and ends at point Z that carries me into camp. Yeah. And then getting into camp, you know, it's, it's you're in camp and then you're in season. Yeah. And as far as, yeah, it's a year round thing. Like I, it's my job to, to perform. So I need to, I need to make sure that I, I sleep well, that I eat well, that I take care of my body, that I, you know, do things like rolling out and little things like that, which, yeah, they take time and maybe not the most fun things, but yeah, they're important for me. Um, so all that kind of stuff is so important that I stay on top of it basically every week. Yeah. Um, and then as far as like mentally and at that level, like same thing, you got to find a way to be, to be present because there's so many ups and downs of seasons when you play a lot of games Yeah. and, sure. and it's finding a way to, how do you bounce back? How do you bring it every single day? Literally every day. How do you find something out of yourself to get better at work hard, whatever it is? How do you find ways to bring it every day? Yeah. And that's kind of the, that, that's the reality of, of the business. And, and my teammates expect that out of me and I expect that out of myself. For sure. And I think something winning goalies do, you know, they, they bounce back well. They don't let bad games or bad days define them, their reputation, who they really are. And I always like to ask great goalies this question because we all go through slumps. It's inevitable. So maybe you can shed some light on what exactly you do when you're not playing well uh, as of recently or when you go into slumps, short or long, and how you typically try and get out of them. I mean, everyone's going to go through ups and downs over the course of the year. Uh, for me, I really, I really believe in kind of taking two steps back. Uh, sorry, before we get into that, I, I just want to say first, I got to evaluate like, is it actually a slump that I'm in or right. are we just not getting results? Right. And those are two very different things. Um, sometimes it's like, well, if I honestly evaluate my game, like from a really honest standpoint, mm -hmm. it's like, is my game good or is my game lacking something? Mm -hmm. So once I establish, is there something I need to fix or is there something that's actually like everything's like, I'm still playing well, we're just not getting results. Mm -hmm. um, once I kind of establish where the, let's say the missing link is, then I can, I can mm -hmm. develop a plan. So then if I want to get back on track for me, it's just kind of going back to that foundational system stuff. Yeah. So if I watch video and I, I notice that I'm getting beat a certain way and an easy fix might just be like, okay, well I'm just deep. Yeah. I'm not a big guy. I got to make sure I get, I get like to the spot I need to be at to make saves. Mm -hmm. So it could be as simple as that. Like just, you know, make sure I get a step out. Um, but sometimes it's just as basic as just like, getting back to very simple goalie drills that just get me feeling pucks, get me hitting my spots. Yeah. Um, and it could also just be, I just got to find a way to dig a little deeper. Yeah. Um, if all that stuff is going well, it's just like, okay, well, you just got to, you know, find a way to, to be better. Just, just dig a little deeper, stay more engaged and, and compete a little harder. Yeah. The one thing I, I should mention, like, 
sometimes less is a lot more. Yeah. Um, and it's, and sometimes it's just a matter of taking a step back and, you know, whether you know it or you don't, you're preparing all week Absolutely. for that game on the weekend. So like, how are your practice habits? Sometimes just working, like maybe you lost, you know, a little edge in, in your work during the week. Yeah. Or it could go the other way. Maybe you're like trying so hard to be better that you have to like take a step back. And I think it's important to realize, especially as you get older, is where that balance, where it kind of fits. And yeah. and having that, having the ability to sometimes just take a step back, trusting in, in what you've worked on in your system and, and what you've created, it's going to allow you to, to like just get in the game and play yeah. and set yourself free. Absolutely. Um, and I think that's kind of a big thing is that understanding when to like, press the gas, take a step back, and then find a way to just get back to neutral where you're not thinking ahead and you're just like in the moment and trying to like make literally just just make the next save. Yeah, yeah, no. I like that. It's uh, Slums can be tough, but we have to sort of, it's a bit of a give and take relationship where we want to step on it a bit, but we, we don't want to be too hard on ourselves, right? Yeah, and... I, I think now a lot of these teams have a lot of teams have goalie coaches who can have like a big hand in that too, which, which helps as well. Mm -hmm. Now zooming out a bit, you know, looking back on, on your whole career so far, every year, every game you've played, you know, getting to this point and for people looking to have a long career in hockey for kids striving to make the NHL or play the highest level of hockey possible. What do you think is the biggest thing you focused on or, or sort of grew or, or learned over the years throughout your tenure that's allowed you to, to get to this point and have such a long and successful career? Uh, yeah, I, I think we touched on so many, so many things. And if you really yeah. kind of sum it up, I mean, for me, it was just trying to work as hard as I could Yeah, and, and try to learn as much as I could. And I'm still learning. Right. I still go on these webinars and, and listen to goalie coaches talk and, and I still, listen to podcasts and not just about, not just about, um, hockey, but I also listen to like business things and stuff like that and how, yeah. how you can grow yourself and all that stuff is so important. I feel like, um, you know, obviously it's every kid's goal to play in the NHL, sure. but it's all the steps that you have to make in order to get there. And a lot of them is just about controlling what you control. And that is where are you right now? Yeah. And how can you be the best version of you today? And then tomorrow, how can you be the best version of you today? Yeah. And then, and I think that's the, that would be like looking back. It's like, once I finally figured out how I need to work to get my game at a certain level, that was the level that I expect myself to bring every day. Yeah. And, you know, I, obviously I, I never got the opportunity to play in the NHL, but being able to play a decent amount of time has been a byproduct of just just the effort that I've been trying to bring every day. Yeah. And there's so many guys that work definitely probably harder than me. And same thing. And I know that they've been able to 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 play for a long time as well based on on work ethics. So yeah. I think being in the moment and working as hard as you can are the two are the two biggest things. Um, that'll help you get to the highest level you can. Yeah, no, I agree. Uh, you you got to be where you are 
and you know you you can't be thinking about the future too much because you know like you said uh and it alludes er to earlier in the conversation you were just so focused on winning every day and you literally just do that that's what i've learned to do too you're not like thinking too far ahead because anything can happen you know like you said you had years where you had weak teams and then you just worried about one game at a time and you guys won and you had probably years where you guys had good teams and it didn't it didn't go the way you expected right so I think that having a predisposition, that's sort of the beauty about sports is the the outcome of contests is not predetermined, right? And and being in the moment and just being the best version of you, trying to be that every single day, whether on your, your good or bad days, and, and carrying that uh, into the future is something that I also have felt has, has contributed to my success as well. You know, not getting ahead of myself, um, not thinking about what if this doesn't happen, what if I don't get these results, um, and you just put your best foot forward, right? You go out there, you play, you enjoy the ride, you enjoy the journey. You never know what will take you. And and maybe you can just redefine what success looks like a bit too, right? Because obviously we talk about awards and winning this and that, and those things are fantastic. And we always want to strive for greatness. We want to be the best versions of ourselves. And, and like you said, chase championships. But I think some some kids are so NHL or quit hockey and you certainly want to chase the dream and play the highest levels of hockey you can, but you also want to enjoy the ride and appreciate the journey along the way because, uh, you know, even even talking to you, you're like, it's crazy how fast it goes, right? So maybe you could put things into perspective for kids striving for the NHL. And, and if that doesn't happen, you know, how much more opportunities out there to enjoy the ride and play for the love of the game at the highest levels and, and just the person that you become from playing hockey, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a good question. I, I, I would say, you know, I think, I think that you, you said it so well as like being, enjoying what you do and, and working towards be the best version of you. And, and if, and if hockey is something that works for you, then amazing. Keep, keep it going. If you love it and you truly love it and you love going to the rink and you love trying to stop pucks, like, like, I love it. I'll tell you right now. You gotta I, love I, it. <laughs> It's not, it's not always, you know, glamorous and lights and this and that. Yeah. There's a lot of downs too, but I, I love the process. I just love the training. I love yeah. everything that, that is involved in, in being a goalie. I love it. Mm -hmm. And I love, and I love to learn. But one thing I, I will say is that the relationships with the people that you meet along the way are life lasting. Yeah, for sure. One of my best buddies, I, I live I live in Toronto. It's a pretty pretty busy, pretty populated city. A guy I played with in minor hockey lives two doors down from me. My best my best buddies. Right on. The guys that were my goalie partners in junior and, and that I train with in junior are still good buddies of mine. And and I'm so fortunate to have met such great people along the way. Mm -hmm. And those relationships are life lasting. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's great to say that 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 hockey is obviously a big part of my life. But the people that I've met along the way and the experiences that I've had um, are things that'll stay with me the rest of my life. And I think that if you love something and you and you put your full effort into it, um, it'll bring about different opportunities that maybe you didn't expect were coming. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, if if you dream of playing in the NHL, you should. And you should try your hardest to get the NHL. And and if that doesn't work for you for whatever reason, maybe there's other avenues that that you can keep 
keep doing to do the thing that you love yeah. and make a living out of it. And there's, I guess there's nothing really that wrong with that either. No, you gotta, you gotta love what you do. I, uh, it's, uh, I, Simon Sinek said something like, uh, doing something you don't love is work. Doing something you do love is passion or something like that. I can't remember, but in life, life's not necessarily all about money. Right. Um, and there's plenty of money to be made around the world in professional hockey and even coaching hockey. Right. If you really love it. And, um, you know, like you said, and even for me, man, the the relationships that I've built, I still talk to my coaches from way back when I talk to players, you know, you just you build this network of just incredible friendship across the globe, really. And you have friends, you probably have the same thing, you know, you have friends at sort of every corner of the of the globe because of, you know, the journey that you went through, right? It's not all about that end result. It's along the way, the, the people you meet, the experiences that you have. Um, one day when when you sort of grow up you'll you'll uh appreciate those a lot more right absolutely yeah and it's always evolving and it's it's uh pretty amazing yeah yeah so mike you have any last words of advice for everyone listening that you feel passionate about no i think we we touched a lot of it um but yeah just just enjoy the ride uh be very present of where you're at and enjoy every second of it because uh, i'll be one of the first to tell you it it flies by it does it's even flying by for me man <laughs> well you still got another what 10 years at least hopefully we'll we'll see hopefully my body holds up i gotta start getting on that prehab routine and all that stuff you're doing man it's important that's for sure <laughs> yeah yeah, well, thank you for coming on, man. Uh, I, I appreciate it. It's been a pleasure to, to have you on. I know people are going to love this one. Just a really good inside look into sort of the, a long journey of a, a successful goaltender. And and I know people are going to see exactly what it takes to not just be a champion, but play at the highest levels of hockey in the world. And and to also just, you know, put pour your love into the game a little more, right? Like you and I do it because we love it. We always have. I think the NHL was always in our minds as well. And, and to some extent, I'm sure it still is, right? You're never, you never fully give up on the dream, I guess. You never really know what could happen, especially with guys like Tim Thomas and all these guys jumping in, in late, right? There's, there's always hope. And at the end of the day, you play for the love of the game, right? But can you let my audience know where they can get in touch with you online, Mike? Uh, yeah, just uh, I have uh, Mike Oozes on Instagram or uh, Oozes Goalie Training. I, I do some camps out in Australia. So um, that, that training profile is kind of for that but yeah those are the two right on well go check out mike uzis he's had an incredible amount of success playing at the highest levels his entire career and i know there's so much to take away from a guy who's just stayed current and elite for so long as the game has changed um and if you want to learn more how to be a true pro listen back to this one today and take some notes maybe somewhere down the road we'll have you back on the show man if that's something that interests you because i know you'll be continuing to play pro hopefully a little bit longer and and i know we'll, we'll, you know as as we all know the goaltending world is forever changing right yeah sounds great uh more than happy to come back on whatever you need all right man well i'm grateful for you coming on mikey take care and, and good luck next season we'll chat soon man thanks you too thanks for tuning into this week's episode guys if you like what you heard today make sure to hit that subscribe button as we have tons of amazing guests lined up ready to come onto the show in the next few months Make sure to tune in next week and every Tuesday from now on at 8 a.m. as I have an absolutely fire conversation lined up for you guys with the Director of Player Performance and Sports Science with the NFL's Detroit Lions, Mark Stevenson. 
Mark is a totally off the grid guy, but man, I know you guys are going to absolutely love this one. So make sure to tune back next week. Without further ado, here are the giveaway details for the NeuroTracker X subscription we're giving away. To enter the giveaway, if you're an Apple user, simply go to the Apple Podcast app on your phone and leave us a written review and rating. And if you're an Android user, you can also download iTunes onto your computer, search the show, and leave a written review and rating on there as well. Once you leave a review of the podcast, take a screenshot of it and either email it to goaliehacks at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram with your screenshot and your full name. If you guys are also interested in getting started with the product, feel free to hit me up either by email or Instagram direct messages to get more details. Get excited, guys. Great things ahead. I hope you enjoyed today's show, and I'll see you next week.